0: My Constance Hall, one of the most talked-about bloggers in the country. I look up, opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend, the yin to her yang, the gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one; just ask her. A show for queens by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girl. Con- <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Go on. laughs>
1: this is one of our favourite topics:
2: getting dumped. Yes. What is the most ridiculous thing you've been dumped over?
1: Me? Oh mm. Jesus! Oh, I suppose the most annoying things that I've ever been dumped for is things like that you would have known straight away, like you ramble, you know, or you party too much, or you drink too much, you all that sort of stuff. Like people just—you you knew that when you first met me. It's not okay for you to wait six months into a relationship and to turn around. Now and say something.
2: I think one of my weirdest ones. I was told I was at the time like very wild in hospitality and you know living my best life. And I I was dating this really corporate guy, and he said you're just too wild.
1: (gasps) Really? Who was that?
2: It was when I was. I'll tell you later. You'll remember when I tell you. You were definitely Uh, around at the time. No, but Uh, yeah, I um, think I remember when you
1: got dumped by some guy. He said that he couldn't go out with you because his dog died. (laughs) <laughs> Are you serious? Do you remember that? No, I like, don't. It was a I clearly blocked that we had it. at the hairdressing salon we <gasps> worked at.
2: Oh yeah, yes! And you
1: stalked him for ages, like you did all of our hot clients.
2: Okay. And illegally
1: obtained their details ne- never. from the system.
2: A- allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Okay. Well, uh, can can you beat that? I, now that Con's just reminded me, I'm going to have to book another therapy session. Can you beat that? Someone told you that they can't go out with you because their dog died. for <laughs> thirteen ten sixty now. What have you got for me?
0: This is the Queen Sesh. Con
2: reminded me of the most ridiculous. Reason that a guy broke up with me, which I had buried, I'd buried deep in my psyche. I had forgotten it.
1: I don't think we can call it breaking up if he never really went out with you. It okay. was a one-sided relationship. Yeah, yeah. But he did Allegedly. dump you because his dog died. Yeah,
2: yeah. So can you c- could you beat the the pathetic reason that is his dog died, which is up there with the dog ate my homework. <laughs> um, Claire from South Australia, what's the silliest, almost ridiculous reason that you've been dumped?
3: I got dumped via text because apparently I didn't like feet, or I did like feet. I'm not actually sure. It's like when I was seventeen, but it has something to do with
2: feet. I have no preference towards or against feet at all. Okay, Um, so feet never kind of came up in feet never came (laughs) up in sort of private time. That, no, that you didn't want to no, go along never, with? No, never a or?
3: conversation or a... No, it was quite bizarre. But I was I was so distraught. He oh. was my first um,
1: very serious boyfriend.
2: Well, oh, it sounds more serious um. than mine, Claire, so I, <laughs> I, think, I think that you take the cake with the feet. Um, all right, Ashley... I think you dodged a bullet there too, Claire. <laughs> no, I know. Who wants someone that's into feet, personally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ashley from Victoria, what Hi, is... Hi, guys. Hello, What what is the most ridiculous reason that you've been dumped? Um, I actually dumped a boyfriend about 10 years
4: ago when I was 17 around the time that Twilight came out, you know, with all the vampires and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was so obsessed with Edward and Bella, and my boyfriend could not measure up to Edward. Like, he wasn't <laughs> obsessed <laughs> enough with me. Edward was, you know, Edward would watch Bella sleep at night, and my boyfriend didn't watch me sleep at night. Oh,
1: so, not <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God, that's so true, it. though. My husband doesn't watch me sleep at night ever. <laughs> he used to when we first got together. yeah.
2: Well, it wasn't good enough, so I was done with him. It's it. not good enough. It's not huh? Edward enough. I'm with you. No. <laughs> All right, watch, watch your back, husband denim, because I think Con's going to dump you. Yeah. Um, because you're not Edward enough. I love that. I still. Mm. I don't know. I re- I reckon the dog died. Do you reckon <laughs> that I, I've won the, the worst breakup? of I think you might have the...
1: won the worst dumping
0: excuse.
2: Yeah. Dog died. All right. If you can beat that, please reach out on our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh. I would. We would love to hear from you.
0: This is the Queen Sesh.
2: Last week, Con. We gave ourselves a mission to find an internet troll. And um I, I actually it's like that Pokemon game. Remember <laughs> <laughs> running around trying to find yeah. <laughs> them. And I look I had I had really high hopes. Uh there's a, a an internet blog site called Gomi. Get off my internet blog. I tried to create a login, producer Ellie did, my sister did. We all got rejected, so we weren't actually able to join this troll site and contact other trolls.
1: They're they're highly intelligent. They can really tell when you're not a real troll.
2: Mm. Uh so we sent over fifty uh, personal direct messages to trolls that we found online who had made horrible comments about public figures. Uh, we heard back from only four of the 50. They all declined. Uh, we wrote on several hate pages on Facebook asking for an honest, open, non-threatening chat where they could be anonymous and we could change their voice. We had one person that was going to chat to us and they pulled out at the last minute.
1: Um Reasons?
2: Uh, They all just, they just didn't want to. They didn't consider themselves real trolls, the ones that actually got back to us, which is interesting.
1: And you'd found them with nasty comments that they'd written?
2: Yes, I did a lifespan of, I really got in. I went in deep and dark, places that I've never been before on the internet and I honestly felt anxious
1: Yeah, I get very anxious when I'm reading... During and after. Yeah, it's nasty. It's so horrible.
2: It's just not a good place. So what we've done is we actually found uh, an interview with a journalist called Ginger Gorman, and she interviewed a troll for Fairfax Media. This is one of the things that uh, this troll, with a very strange voice decoder on, had to say.
3: A lot of the time people think people troll because they feel bad about themselves, so they try try and take it out on other people. It's not really... It might be the case in some people, but not in the people I've come across.
2: I found that interesting, Con, because we're always told, you know, bullies are the ones that feel bad about themselves, and that's That's, why they're taking you down.
1: Generally, that is the case, but then you come across um, massive personality disorders... And that's what we're dealing with here—a personality disorder. It's a narcissistic or sociopathic disorder. And I do remember reading up about this interview that Ginger Gorman did. And we ha- we are finding that a lot of the trolls are do have these sort of um, personality types. Mm, and that would
2: that would make sense because the next uh, next piece we have to play is—you know—does he feel bad when he's doing it?
3: I don't really have emotions that much, like. I have emotions with nothing to do with regretting stuff, like that field of emotions, sadness.
0: You don't feel anything when, say, for example, you might be targeting someone who's mentally ill?
3: Nothing bad.
0: What do you feel?
3: I don't know, it's like entertaining.
0: Entertaining. Mm. And, you know, that sends
1: a real chill because if anyone's ever been in an abusive relationship, they will understand or in a relationship with a narcissist, sociopath or psychopath, they will know that they do get entertainment out of your, out of your sadness and out of <sighs> your horror and the idea of that is just terrifying. There are people, some people are just like that, you know, and it's an awful lesson that we have to learn. Engaging with them isn't going to get you anywhere. Mm. Well, look, ob- they're not real humans.
2: Obviously, you've got a lot of experience dealing with trolls yourself. Uh, also, next we're going to be talking to another blogger who's had some really scary experiences with internet trolls. It's the Mum on the Run. We'll be chatting to Laura Mazer next on the Queen Sesh. And if you are experiencing trolling, go to esafety.gov.au and you can always reach out to Lifeline, who have trained counsellors. You can talk to 24-7, call 13 11 14.
0: This is The Queen Sesh. Just
2: before, we were talking about our quest to chat to an internet troll and we weren't actually successful in doing that. We also wanted to chat to someone who can really relate to being trolled. She's the well-known blogger, the Mum on the Run, Laura Mazza, so Mum on the Run, Laura, we understand that you've copped a fair bit of backlash online yes when so, when has a troll like really sort of hit hit you where it hurts?
4: I'm actually even a bit scared to talk about it because I just think what will the backlash be
0: mm. um,
4: so i I befriended somebody Um, they were also blogging at the time and they um, I'm even scared to just talk about it but basically what happened was there was some similarities and stuff something that we wrote I asked them about it and from there it just absolutely took off so these group of women were the same women that had an actual Facebook group hating on Constance Hall the hating on you. Friends of yours, Con.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you bloody
4: brought them to me. No. <laughs> um, and they, they were just out for blood. So from me having this real polite, civilised conversation with this other girl, it was then taken that I had harassed her to the point where she was afraid of me um, there was even a media article hinting about, you know, this mum blogger who's psycho and harasses people. So these people were out for blood and I had, I had people private messaging me, um, saying that they wanted to kill me, that it's all over for me now. Um, wow. you know, now everyone's going to know what I've done, what a horrible person I am. Cause admittedly, I'm not, I'm not so innocent. I don't troll people. I don't write things publicly, but I have, Absolutely, um, about yes. people behind yes. their
1: back because when you're and frustrated, you know, you're dead. Yes, yes. And that annoys and that me. People say, it. oh, you know, like you shouldn't, we can, we're can. we going to expose you for who you are. And it's like, hang on yes. a minute. Aren't we all human? Don't we all have a bitch? Yes. It's very yes. different to, to accumulating a hate group and just yes. saying things publicly. Yes. I might send a screenshot of something to you and go, or not a screenshot, I might just go, oh, my God, you know, like my friend is just doing this and this and this. And then yes. you might, you know, understand. Yes. It doesn't make me a troll or a bitch. No,
4: you know, these people hide behind like fake names and photos of dogs and cartoons and stuff like that. And it's, it's just mm. like you're not even being your real self. It's like this little adrenaline rush for them. It's like a drug for them to hurt people. And I want them, and if you're listening, I want you to really think about that and think about you might not think that you're a shitty person, but you doing that because you're hiding behind something else but that makes you a shitty person. And I would probably go see somebody and talk about it because obviously it's a sense of control that you need and there's obviously deeper issues there. If you feel that you want to destroy somebody's life that you've never met hiding, it's like throwing rocks at somebody and hiding behind a bush, seeing their reaction. Like, it's just
1: crazy. I think we've come to the conclusion that they don't really care. You know, when things like um, Dolly Everett takes their own life, we don't see people really caring. We don't see the trolls turning around because we're dealing with narcissists. We're dealing with people with personality disorders. So the only thing, rather than trying to change them and trying to open their eyes, the only thing we can do is just keep strong, keep backing each other, keep, you know, strong with ourselves. That's all we can do.
4: For sure,
2: yes, 100%. Laura, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. We thank really you. appreciate that and, um, you know, we've always got you back.
1: Yeah, we got oh, you, Laura. And likewise. <laughs> Love go have you, a darling. Now, Love <laughs> yeah. you, right back. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I don't want to be drawn back into that area either, but we Ugh, did it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah, so much, Laura. Good.
2: Thank you. If you are experiencing trolling, go to esafety.gov.au and you can always reach out to lifeline.org.au on 13 11 14.
0: This is The Queen's Sesh.
2: A new eating disorder, orthorexia nervosa, has been hitting, hitting the headlines this week. It's a new type of eating disorder blamed on social media. And to explain to us what it's all about, we've got Thomas Granger. He's got his new book out, You Are Not Your Eating Disorder. Welcome to the Queen Sesh, Thomas.
5: Hi, thanks for having me. How Thank- are you guys going? We're
2: very Great, well. Thomas.
5: That's good.
2: So what's been your experience with orthorexia nervosa? I hadn't heard of this before.
5: Yeah, well, it's, a fair, it's not a new term, but it's only really come into sort of the media more recently, it's an obsession with clean eating or healthy eating. So a lot of people um, fly under the radar when it comes to orthorexia nervosa because it does pretty much fit into what's our sort of um, clean eating lifestyle that's really taken over, particularly Sydney in Australia and in Melbourne as well. Yes. So it's, it's not unlike other eating disorders where it's obviously a psychological, psychological condition that really does impact Um, someone's well-being and and set of mind, but it doesn't necessarily uh, manifest with physical symptoms like other eating disorders, including anorexia and bulimia.
2: Right. And it's, from my understanding, it's a sort of, you know, the buzzwords like paleo, macrobiotic balance, keto, vegan, carb-free, sugar-free, raw, like all those different sort of clean eating fads and rules. So when does it become a problem? Because so many people follow those fads.
5: Yeah, it becomes a problem when it starts to dictate your life and your lifestyle. So if suddenly you're avoiding social situations, you're not going out for dinner, you're basically developing your whole day around your diet, what you're going to eat, constantly thinking about it. If you're getting stress and anxiety over having to, for example, eat, I don't know, a bowl of rice because it's got a grain and you're on a paleo diet, for example, that's when you know you've got a problem, when you're actually finding yourself stressed about your food and you're constantly fixated on it.
1: But what if you are so overweight and you're struggling to lose that weight so much that you need something, some massive type of Mm. commitment, you know, like how do you, for example, we have a friend who needs to lose a lot of weight and he like... He needs something in his brain to just change, to get him to do that sort of obsessive commitment, if you must, because it's getting to a point where it would hurt his health.
5: Yeah, well, that's not really orthorexia. Um, being dedicated and committed to going on a diet because you have a specific health reason to do so is, a, in my opinion, a very healthy mindset to have. It's when um, you're becoming so fixated on having to eat a certain way that uh, you're finding yourself crying in the bathroom, having okay. a mental breakdown. Yeah. You suddenly have to exercise for 12 hours because you feel so guilty about yeah, what you're doing. Okay. I think there's a, a bit of a difference there. I think it's really important to strike a healthy balance Mm-hmm. Even with You're people right about who are going stress, on a diet, levels, even so, if yeah. even if you are going on a diet, you have to have some flexibility there because hey, we live in a twenty first century and one lifestyle. We can't live in a bubble. You know, you go out, have a couple of drinks with friends. You might have a pizza every now and then. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you um, shouldn't hate yourself for it. That's right. If if you're having self-loathing over, you know, a piece of cake you ate last week. I mean, cross your mind, then you've got a bit of an issue, don't you?
1: Yeah. And so Thomas, I've got an issue. I've always, <laughs> I've had an issue with my eating my whole life, Thomas. I, um, so so have I, so have I. It's really difficult, and I would love to raise children who didn't have these, like this this love-hate relationship with food, you know, like food can be on my mind 24 hours a day and then the guilt and then the hunger and then the starving and then the pigging out and it's just been, you know, awful my whole life. And what is the solution? How do we raise children now that we've got this new thing that I think is, you know, you're spot on with it because I've noticed that so many people, they instead of using the word diet, they use the word clean eating, eating clean, and all of a sudden it's okay instead of being unhealthy. So what can we do to to try and navigate our kids away from this awful, like, nice.
2: obsession?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think it's really important to establish a positive and healthy mindset around food within the household so that food is not something that's supposed to be considered good or bad or labelling food. Rather, food's there as a source of energy to nourish you, and it's also there as a source of enjoyment. So food's really supposed to be about, you know, um, Striking that balance and working what, finding out what works best for the individual, you know, tailoring it to what your food preferences are, what you like to eat, for example. So, you know, there's certain foods that we would consider, uh, less, um, occasional and, um, and more regular and foods that are only supposed to be eaten on occasions because it's not something we eat every day. And having, changing the, the language around food, I think is really important. So there is no blame game there. Not to say, you know, chocolate's not unhealthy, rather it's something you don't eat three times a day, for example. So I think that's really important. And then obviously making sure that, especially if you've got younger children, that the association with food is something that's supposed to be there to make them uh, feel happy and healthy and strong and to power them through their day so they can do the things that they enjoy doing that isn't orientated around food as well.
2: Beautiful advice. Thank you so much. So Thomas Granger's new book, You Are Not, Your Eating Disorder, is out now. And for help or more on eating disorders, please reach out to the Butterfly Foundation's National Helpline on 1800 334 673.
0: This is The Queen Sesh.
2: Last week on, we were talking about taboo relationships and we heard a story from a caller.
4: One of my brothers and sisters at a family reunion fell oh. in love. Oh, no. Um, so yeah, they're biologically
1: so brother and sister, but they didn't grow up together?
4: <sighs> no, so we had the same mum, different dad. So uh, my brother moved from Poland to Queensland to live with my sister, obviously, as a couple, and she left her husband of 19 years.
3: <gasps> and three kids to be with my brother.
2: Genetic sexual attraction.
4: Yes. It's a
2: thing. We want to find out all about it. And we are very lucky to be joined by Louise Adams. She's our resident clinical psychologist and the founder of Treat Yourself Well Sydney. Louise. Hello. <laughs> Let's Louise. talk about it. What do yes. you know? What is it? How common is it? Look, and why does um, it happen?
3: Yes. I know. It's a fascinating subject. And. Unfortunately, in the world of psychology, we don't know too much about it from an academic point of view. And I think it's because there's quite a high ick factor Mm. in people just not wanting to research (laughs) this and not wanting to put funds behind it. Well,
1: that's funny because I love it.
3: So do I. But but the shame, I think, that people feel when this sort of stuff happens too, would be... I imagine, really hard to research it. But the stuff that I've been able to uncover in preparation is quite interesting because what it's, what it's sort of showing is that when siblings are raised apart or even it could be other family members like um, Cousins. mothers and uh, children, um, that, that when they meet up again, falling in love or strong sexual attraction is not at all uncommon.
1: That's so bizarre.
3: I know. It's it's showing up in post-adoption agencies. They're talking about in as many as half of all cases. <gasps>
2: You're <laughs> kidding me.
3: Yeah. No. There will be people reporting at least a strong attraction and sometimes that develops into sexual relationships.
1: <gasps> what? So the, is that something getting confused by this separation? Well, you know, I think...
3: Giving it a little bit of thought, one of the nicest ways of understanding it that I came across was a psychologist called Dr. Greenberg. He's a psychiatrist, actually. And he says, look, there's... When you meet someone that you have been separated from since birth or from really young childhood, and then you meet them again, there's huge amounts of emotion involved and there's really sudden feelings involved. And it can Mm. almost feel like falling in love. And this huge need for profound kind of intimacy and closeness, often, you know, physical. You know, as adults, we don't have a lot of ways to express that kind of need
2: and sex can easily pop up. Ah, oh, can it wow. though with your brother? I don't know. Or dad. Do you know what I I find really bizarre? And you hear of those stories where people meet and fall in love and then they find out later that they're related.
1: Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, like if yeah. I found out that I was Denim's sister. Okay, I
2: would so you're so if so just say tomorrow. He let's set the scene. Tomorrow, you get a call, Constance. Your husband yeah. Denim is actually yes. your brother. What do you yes. do?
1: It'd probably be a good way out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so would you stay or would you go? You'd go. That's it. No, be... I'd
1: stay. It's my Denzi. I'd probably stay. I don't know. Like, It hasn't affected us so far. We've had one kid. He seems okay. Yeah, so you just, you'd
2: stay but we just wouldn't tell people.
1: Yeah, we wouldn't. T- we yes. wouldn't advertise the fact. No. It'd be yep. stupid. All of a sudden, getting a new house and living somewhere else, or getting moving him somewhere else when we're still in love, you know. Just and, and brother so. and sister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say <laughs> you'd you definitely probably check in
2: for some therapy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you just need some therapy. That's the answer to everything. Yeah, no, any experience. absolutely.
2: <laughs> uh, Louisa, thank you so much for joining us and helping us debunk and and shed the taboos around genetic sexual attraction.
0: This is the Queen Sesh,
2: and we're nearly out of time, Con. So it's time for our highlight of the week, really, Queen Vice. Queen Vice. I think we need an opener. Let's look into uh, that uh, for next yeah, week, like right. a little, you know, bada bing, yeah. bada bong kind of yeah, thing, like, like whiz bang. Like a- yeah. Very radio chic. I was
1: thinking something more like Jerry Springerish. Oh yeah. Yeah, like a sound of like an American you know like a you know how they always like have all those gross like problems that they have to
2: get oh, torture to yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's look into that for next week. Okay. So this is advice for Queens and uh, this queen wants to remain anonymous. She's messaged us on our Facebook page, the Queen Sesh. And she says sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. I can't stand my daughter's best friend. I know it's horrible to say this about a kid, but she is so annoying, infuriating oh. even. She spends the whole time when she's over causing dramas and dobbing my own kids to me. Dobbing on my own kids to me. If it were up to me, she'd never come, come over again, but my daughter is obsessed with her help.
1: Okay, here's my
2: advice. <laughs> so we're not you really can't... meant to say that we don't like kids. Yeah. But what I can relate to is some kids are irritating... For different oh, you're, reasons. You're such an ass you are. <laughs> you
1: know, I'm you never my kids with you again. What are you, bloody
2: Mother <laughs> Teresa? Surely there is a child you've come across where you've gone, ah, oh, they're not my cup of tea.
1: Of course, but I don't talk about it on national radio. No, this is anonymous. I know, but now you're saying that you hate all kids. No, basically. not all kids.
2: Not, so, not all kids. Hashtag not all kids.
1: Well, I, I do believe in the saying that the kids who need it the most ask for it, that need love the most ask for it in the most unloving ways. And the annoying kids are usually the ones that are brushed aside and they've sort of learnt to become more annoying, to get more attention. And so I do try and look at it like through that, but obviously... Oh, great. Now I, feel, just,
2: now I feel Yeah, I'm just horrendous. making you look
1: like a, a bitch, really. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I if your it. kid the the things that she's describing sounds to me like you know someone that you don't particularly want your child to be around because they may end up making your kid feel and feel not so great about themselves long term. So my advice is to when it comes to your children um raise them with the most solid foundations of what your moral code is that you can and put that into your children as much as, you know, I've left, I'm have left. i raising lefties, I my kids are you know, I want them to believe in equal rights for everybody and you know to bring everyone off Nauru and to all about like marriage equality and if my kid turns around with a really right wing best friend who doesn't believe in any of that sort of stuff then she's definitely ended up with a friend whose moral code is very different to ours so all I can hope for is that my daughter's is strong enough to, uh, to be, you know, I do think that they come, they, they end up who they are no matter what, mm. no matter what outside influence. So you kind of just got to let them have these friends, let them, let it run its course. Maybe, um, a little bit of their friend will rub off on them and maybe a little, little bit of them rub off on their friend. But at the end of the day, it's who you're raising. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit for. Those first, like, six or seven years of what we've put into our children are really, really strong, and you don't need to worry that much about, you know, the friends that they are keeping, unless it's, you know, really dangerous stuff and they're doing drugs or they're, you know, doing stuff that's completely out of,
2: like, non-safe. Otherwise, I would probably suggest, you know, next time they're over, earplugs. Maybe. Yeah, earplugs. Also, I always say to other people's children that come to my
1: house and they dob nonstop, I'm always really honest with them. Yeah, okay, Con doesn't actually listen to the dobbing so yes. much. If you're hurt or if you're being bullied, come to me, but I don't really care if somebody's had two lollipops instead of one. Yeah, you know, like, same so rule they, in
2: my house. Unless you're bleeding, I don't want to know.
1: Yeah, that's right. Let's, yeah. yeah. So I think that you can usually get the
2: kids to realise that they're not going to get your attention that way. Beautiful advice there. Um, that's us. If you want to hear the podcast catch up, just or search. If you just want to hear Queen bitch about kids, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you. She does a whole podcast on it. No, I, I actually don't. I'm really. I'm very kind. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you can hear the the show in full that way. And get in touch, reach out, ask Queen Vice. We'll have an opener for it next week. Apparently, uh, just search the Queen session. Have a beautiful week.
5: Goodbye, Queens. We love you.